Hi, this is K12 Tech Talk, episode 69. In this episode, Chris is gone, so Mark and I hold down the fort. We talk about network-attached UPSs, network monitoring, budgeting process at the end and beginning of each year, movie agreements and, f- and approval from administration, and Mark and Josh talk about CETL certification. Have a listen. This is K12 Tech Talk. Tech Talk, the podcast by K12 Techs for K12 Techs. Real conversations, real arguments, and real banter on trending K12 technology topics and issues. Live from the somethingcool.com studios, this is K12 Tech Talk. This is episode 69. This is sort of a big episode because... Chris isn't here tonight. He he says he had dinner plans, dinner meeting. I don't know. Um, tonight, I I was texting with Mark earlier today, and I told him it, this is his chance, his night to shine because you know Chris just talks so much um, that Mark Mark will have a more of a chance to chat tonight. So Mark, how are you doing? It's uh it's Thursday. It's Thursday. Uh, we are still in our spring break. So if you remember oh, are you really? last week, yeah, yeah. So schools are off this week. Um, our offices are open, uh, but it's obviously very, very quiet. Yeah. Uh, so good chance to get some stuff done at the same time, kind of catch up on that stuff that you, uh, you've been kind of putting off because of so many issues and fires when schools are in session. So, so do you guys have pared down hours then during that, or is it your normal hours? Uh, normal hours, but people take their vacation time yeah. uh, a lot during this week. So. Does your uh, then, does your ahead. school uh, give you guys like extra days out of the blue? Like, hey, we know it's spring break. Teachers aren't here. You can have <laughs> a day paid on us kind of thing. No, I, I think, you know, sometimes around a holiday weekend, they'll say, hey, we're going to do an early release. Gotcha. Uh, but but those of us in central office, we have vacation time. So it's up to us right. to decide when we're going to take the time off. Yeah, we get lucky. And I think this is probably a smaller a, a, a nice thing of working at a smaller school is we'll get lucky every now and then where, you know, the board will make a decision and say, Hey, you know, let's say 4th of July falls on a Tuesday. They'll make a decision to say, okay, we're going to go ahead and give you guys an extra vacation day for yep. that Monday so that, you know, you're not working a day and then have a day off. So you get a nice long weekend. So yeah. um, we're, we're pretty fortunate at our district that happens. I won't say super frequent, but once or twice a year, we get a nice little added, day off here or there around a holiday yeah so well, my my wife's a teacher so she's oh, she's she? working yeah she's working this week she's doing we're doing the april vacation school so she's been teaching this whole time so oh, for both of us it kind of feels like just normal but so uh, explain that is that school kind of like a something for kids to do that don't really have yeah traditional yeah. care during the day um, it's more like catch up, you know, so oh, students okay. who are, you know, the, the, our state assessments are coming up. So, yeah. you know, it's kind of a little bit of last minute prep, uh, for some students who might need it. Interesting. So yeah. And you mentioned state assessment. We kicked in high gear for state assessment this week, coming back, um, coming back from Easter. It feels like we were off Monday. Were we off Monday? Yeah. Patriots? Yeah. yeah. We were off Friday and Monday. No, we were off Friday and Monday, I guess for Easter. Was Easter this last weekend? Yes. 
I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. not. I don't know if I'm coming or going, man. Um, we had we had Monday off too, but it was uh, not for Easter, but in Massachusetts, it's called Patriots Day. So we oh. have the with the holiday off, and it happens to be Marathon Monday. So the big oh, thing for that's the day right. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Head down big, the marathon route and route people on. And that's awesome. There was a, I used to work with a lady that uh, qualified for like five years straight, um, and they were she actually ran the year the bombing happened. And her yeah. husband was about three rows in front of um, some of the people that got severely injured by the first bomb. He yeah. was he was extremely lucky that he was not injured. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's cool. I've, Boston Marathon's really neat. So I've got a really funny story. Okay. So this morning, I go into work, and um, my superintendent. I'm I'm talking to one of the assistant superintendents, my boss. We're having a discussion about a few things, and, and the superintendent comes out of his office and says, hey, I need to talk to you. Come in my office. I'm like, oh, man, here we go. So if you remember, my, my superintendent announced that he was leaving uh, about a month and a half ago, I guess. He's going to yep. a school district in Kansas. So I, I go in his office, and we have a really good relationship. I'll, go, I'll just go in and chat with him every once in a while. So I sit down in one of the chairs, and I say, well, okay, what's up? And he goes, well, he goes, I, I got to tell you a story. He said, uh, I was in Kansas over the weekend visiting the new school district and, and meeting with people and, you know, doing the, the what for and shaking hands and stuff. And he goes, I, they, the IT director comes to me and says, here's your new, your new MacBook Air here. You know, we're going to get you set up, you know, got them all rolling on everything. And they're just chit-chatting, having a good conversation. And uh, the, the high and low of it was, by the end of the conversation, the tech director of this school district says... You know, when, when they announced that, that you were the person that was getting hired, everybody was wanting to do research about you and see, you know, what you bring with you and that kind of stuff. And he goes, I'm not going to lie. I, I did my own research. And um, he had a, he goes, you know, your tech director, he goes, I, I listened to his podcast. <laughs> so <laughs> so we had a really good laugh about that. So, Phil, you know who you are in Kansas. Uh, thanks for listening to the show. You are getting an outstanding superintendent. Uh, email me if you have any questions, and I'll I'll give you some some tips on how to bribe him for a snow day. Um, yeah, awesome. so it was it was hilarious. He goes, you know, your your pod. Yeah, it was it was it was hilarious. So Phil, thanks for listening, and uh, share us with your friends out there in Kansas. So um, Chris can't be here tonight because he said he had dinner plans. Whatever. Uh, the weather is beautiful here in Missouri. I don't know what it is there in it's Boston. Beautiful too. Yeah, it's yeah. nice. We hit. I think we hit close to eighty. I just had to kick the air conditioner on because we had all of our windows open today, and the house is kind of warm, and uh, so I just kicked the air on. But Chris, uh, he wanted to give us a topic. He act. He's acting like a listener and sending us a topic to talk about. Um, his, so PDS is installing some UPSs for him. I guess today. And he was talking to us about network attached and how we monitor network attached UPSs, and do we ping them? Do we have a tool? Mm -hmm. um, so, Mark, start us off. Do you have network attached UPSs? Are you actively monitoring them? What do you What do you guys do? Uh, we do. We have um, we have UPSs we recently installed in our schools, uh, just because you know being in the city, there's a lot of construction, and uh, it's not uncommon for power to dip or drop or or kind of uh, get a little bit of a inconsistent uh, approach. So we install UPSs in our schools just to keep the equipment up uh, through those surges. And then we have a pretty massive UPS for our data center. Uh, and that does have, um, it is networked. It does send alerts. Although I don't think that's really the primary 
source uh, when there's an issue for our team to, to hear about uh, an issue through the UPS. Um, I know that they do hear alerts and we'll, we'll hear about an outage through that, but primarily for us, we're going to hear alerts from different other systems. And, and we do have a, a system that does ping each uh, piece of equipment just to see if it's, it's talking, but yeah. And, and how about you guys? So our, the last time I bought UPSs was I think the first year of E-rate category two modernization. So there mm-hmm. are, our UPSs actually need to be replaced. I'll probably do that next year. Um, but they are not network attached UPSs. That's definitely something, a feature that I will look at in this next round, because I, I do like that idea of when a UPS loses power, it being intelligent enough to be able to send you either an SNMP message, uh, an email, a text, something to say, hey, you you just lost power in this closet, this IDF, you know, if it's a building wide outage, maybe the MDF. Yeah. Um, so you get a little bit, you know, you might get that a little bit before everything, you know, you notice a switch going down or you notice an access point going down. Um, so no, we don't have, uh, it's something we're looking at as far okay. as network monitoring though goes. So we can take this conversation a little bit deeper. What do you, you said you, you ping devices to kind of keep an eye on your network. What, um, do you have an actual tool like what's up or, or something like that, that does that pinging utility? What do you, what do you guys have? Yeah. So I, I think primarily if, if something goes down, um, we're probably going to hear the first, um, uh, notices through, we use Meraki access points and those will alert us if, uh, if any of them go down both through the dashboard as well as email notifications. So I think Primarily speaking, that's going to be the, the biggest determination. If the access point's gone down, something up chain has also gone down. Uh, but we use Open uh, NMS or Horizon. Hmm. Okay, uh, it's an open source uh, platform, and it and it we just kind of enter in all of our different systems, and it pings them, so we can see. Um, and I don't know if it pings every minute or every five minutes, but it it it'll, it'll let you know if a, a file print server is down or if a core is down or anything like that, and that's that's pretty helpful to be able to see kind of a snapshot of how everything's going. So that's that's Horizon. It's an open source uh, platform that you can install and and hook up anything that you want to just you know just ping it if you need to. Does it run on Linux? I guess. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Figured. Yeah. So we're running PRTG, the free version, because we are a small. Um, I. I'm a small enough network to where PRTG has the free limit of 100 nodes to monitor or 100 items that it monitors. Mm. So what I did was I discovered my switches and more or less did a ping on each switch. And then I'm monitoring throughput on my core because that's my main uplinks to my my buildings. Um, so I'm able to leverage PRTG free for now. And it it's great. It, it does a fantastic job. The whole historical thing, I can look at throughput to each each uplink, you know, my firewall to each building. So it, it's got some cool stuff. I have played around with tools like Cacti, um, mm-hmm. which, again, it, open source, runs on Linux. And it's it's nice. It's cool that it's free and that you can set it up pretty quickly. Um, I think from a aesthetic standpoint, I like the look and feel of PRTG a little bit better than Cacti. Cacti is kind of utilitarian. Yeah, um, yeah. But man, there's a there's a ton of other tools out there. You know, we I was at a conference in in March and then again in Kosin, and um, it seems like every conference you go to, there's someone's talking about some monitoring tool of some sort, um, and and most of them are open source. And of course, you got the the big boys that are paid, and and you know yeah, some of yeah. them are, are very proud of of that product. 
um, so yeah, it there's there's definitely no shortage of uh, monitoring utilities. Yeah, yeah. I I think our hard part is we have multiple services that are monitoring, uh, right. and there's some overlap. So, like I said, we have our the the equipment itself will will alert you if there's a problem or if it goes down, and then from there we have. As I mentioned, Horizon, uh, and we do have Cacti as well. That's monitoring more bandwidth usage for us, hmm. uh, just to, so we can see if uh, if we see a line that's being you know stretched stretched the max. Um, and then we recently adopted Status Gator. Actually, after listening oh, to podcasts yeah. months ago, we we adopted them, and and that's that's been monitoring our cloud services. Uh, and then just a couple of ping jobs, and we do have. Um, we're we're heavy into edfi uh for our data solution our open data source and um our operational data source and uh that has a lot of jobs that run data transfers and so right now we're in the process of trying to identify what's how are we going to monitor that we have a, a homegrown solution that monitors the jobs whether or not they failed or not but we're in the process of trying to procure something that is a little more robust that will monitor whether or not a data uh, transfer between yeah. systems uh, failed. Interesting. So yeah, it, you're not only are you monitoring that physical network and the uptime of the network, but now we have to monitor these jobs, these you know ancillary right. jobs, third party jobs that run six o'clock in the evening, you know, once a day. And if right. they don't run, it's a big deal. You know, you're not right. getting that data interface. Um, yeah, that's yeah. interesting. I hadn't thought about that yet. Now, how do you guys, we actually, a similar job is our state reporting. We have, uh, Massachusetts uses CIF, uh, one of, probably one of the last districts that are last states that uses CIF, but that's transferring our data to the state every night. And so that's another oh, wow. pretty important process to monitor as well to make sure that our data gets uh, gets uploaded to the state in a timely manner. Now, is that like your attendance data or? Uh... Everything, enrollment, attendance. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I think our in Missouri, I think it's called core data. Mm -hmm. Um, And the state, the Department of Education uh, has a contract with Tyler Student Information System, Tyler SIS. So schools that have Tyler SIS kind of have an automatic. It's supposed to magically automatically work because DESE is running this. And if you have it at your school, those state reporting jobs are just kind of supposed to automatically work well together the up you won't have as many errors with the uploads i do know the person that takes care of our core data it's like when it's core data time of the year don't don't call her and bother her because she is neck deep in core data stuff yeah Um, yeah yeah. it's interesting you guys upload it every night that's pretty wild well transactional data so it's not all of our data it's just you know one of the transactions for the day but uh again if if something goes down it's not just is this is the server up and down or is the, right. the application up and down. It's it's did the jobs that were supposed to run last night did those actually go through? So well, and, and an important part of that monitoring piece for that too is okay, what failed? Was right. it was it a cron job that didn't run? It was it the FTP site or SFTP site? Was it unavailable? Yeah. So you know, you, unfortunately, part of our job is pointing fingers, and it's nice to be able to say no, we know exactly. This, mm-hmm. you know, job ABC didn't run at 652 like we like it was supposed to. Um, or if the state's file transfer wasn't available, then it's right. nice to say that it, you know, wasn't our fault. Um, yeah. 
<clears throat> so we mentioned PDS already a few times tonight. So they are a sponsor of the show, Provision Data Solutions. Um, I have used them before. Chris is uh, obviously using them right now for a UPS install. If you're in the state of Missouri and you are a K-12 school district, because they primarily just deal with K-12 entities, um, so they know K-12 inside and out. If you need some help, if you're a school in Missouri, give PDS a call, Ryan R at provisionds.com. Actually, you email them at that address. You don't call them at that address. Um, but Ryan's a good guy. He can help you out. He can put you in touch with their engineers, Derek, Jeff, um, and they can uh, see what they can do for you. They're, they're super good guys, really, really nice guys. Uh, really proactive on things. Like I said, Derek emailed me about a question about my Aruba install. Mark, we got to get you off Meraki and get you on Aruba, man. Um, what? So, I'm curious, were you a Cisco customer that then transitioned to Meraki, or were you always Meraki? Uh, no, we were a Cisco customer. We were um, Cisco top to bottom. Uh, and then a few years ago, it was about 10 years ago, actually, started to evaluate uh, different... Um, uh, wireless solutions. We did an install with Meraki. We did an install with uh, Arrowhive, huh. um, and allowed the team to just have have uh, you know a full test. We 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 did multiple schools in each platform, and uh, and then had the team vote on on which one they preferred. So it was a really fun install. But in the process of doing that, Meraki got bought by Cisco. So oh, okay, we were uh, I would say at the time we were moving off of Cisco into Meraki, and then suddenly we found ourselves just staying within the family. Interesting. Um, so, yeah, obviously Mark may not call Aruba, but give Aruba a call if you have some wireless or, or physical networking needs. At Right now, they are. Uh, we just installed uh, Wireless 6E in our high school, um, so we were able to get the Aruba 635 shipped and on-site. So they are making their way through the, uh, the supply chain issues. Uh, so give your local Aruba... Uh, sales guy a call and if you work with pds they can put you in touch with them as well so Are you any any improvements in supply chain stuff i'm still no, hearing just no i am not so crazy deadlines or crazy delivery dates we um so our board meeting this week so it had to get moved due to board elections you know, there's state statute with how mm -hmm. you know that all that fun stuff um, but I had to go to the board meeting and take a, an RFP for approval or a, a response to an RFP for approval to the board. And we we're buying uh, desktops, about 230 of them, 228 actually. Um, but the person, the company that sold them to me said, yeah, right now we're looking at a 12 to 14 week uh, turnaround time on this order, which is crazy. I mean, yeah. we, we've been in this now for two years, and and I understand China, Shanghai is locking back down, um, but it's it's crazy. And I didn't really talk about this last week, but my Chromebook bid that we had a, a response and for or we approved a response, and I had a PO created. Uh, I get a call last week while I'm at Kosin, and the manufacturer said, "Oh, hey, by the way, we sunsetted that uh, that SKU number." So you can't your your Chromebook order isn't going to get fulfilled. So now, again, we're scrambling at the board meeting this week trying to find another manufacturer, another spec that that responded back with that RFP to be able to purchase that. So it's it's not just desktops. Obviously, it's Chromebooks. It's access points. Um, yeah. Man, who was somebody was telling me they were trying to build a metal shed? Oh, at school that we were trying to build a metal building, and they don't know when the metal's coming in. 
for that. Like they have wow. no clue. They hope it's sometime this summer. It's it's not just electronics. My, my wife and I ordered a new bed in October. Still waiting on it. Holy cow! Yeah, I mean we're not sleeping on the floor, which is a good thing. But yeah, still, right. I mean that's, there's probably people that are waiting. That that's yeah, that's what they're depending on. I so. I had heard um, furniture in general, yeah. you know, couches, sofas, and st- stuff like that was pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. So we're we're reaching the end of our our budget year, and one of the things that we have to do is we have to to get all of our expenditures in now before the end of the fiscal year. Yep. And unfortunately, I had to say no to a school who today they had reached out wanted to buy a new lab, and uh, our our supplier said the earliest they could get it to us is August September. And holy cow! That's uh, that's we have to receive all the goods by the end of the the fiscal year. So unfortunately, we had to say no to that one. Uh, but it's painful, and I've got a new school opening up that I'm getting a little bit nervous about. Yeah, <clears throat> there was. Um... A school, probably, or a district about an hour north of me, that built a new middle school, I think. Middle school or a high school, and opened the doors um, this August, this past August. And they didn't have access points. Like, they had to wow. borrow from other school districts, the, you know, stuff that they had sunset it pulled out of, out of production years ago that, thankfully, they hadn't thrown away. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, tough, tough situation whenever they're, you know, this supply chain, and you're opening up a new building like like you are it it's, yeah. it's not like my situation where my high school had access points right it's not right. like it you know we didn't have infrastructure there but yeah you're over a barrel with that yeah i mean we luckily the the network is all set ready to go we're doing the install in a couple of weeks but um the the rest of the stuff the classroom technology that you know the projectors and uh and and devices i'm all, i'm growing a little bit nervous about that so projectors are are real tight i we ordered uh 10 or so epsons a couple weeks ago and we were told like 10 12 weeks then and that was well probably yeah. close to a month ago yeah. yeah i don't so it's crazy i don't see it getting better anytime anytime soon right now no um, no and my car's on its last legs i'm hoping to god that <laughs> thing doesn't die <laughs> it's it's the wrong time to buy a car too mark it is it is I, absolutely I, we got it we got a little bit of a bid that we got something in the mail. It's like, here, we'll buy your car for this amount. My wife's going, Hey, that's, that's not a, that's a good price. I'm like, yeah, yeah. then what? Yeah, right. Exactly. How close to you, how close to your school are you? Like, can you commute into work or do you have to? Yeah. Drive? Yeah. I'm, I'm lucky that I could take public transportation if I needed to. Um, so I just walk a couple blocks. I pick up a bus that goes right to the door. But, um, but the downside is, getting anywhere else in the city there's right. you know not all of our schools are accessible by public transportation so that's for me is the real kicker is i do need to be able to get to schools uh and i can't do that without a car could you use district transportation or do you guys not have that uh it's it's another supply chain issue we're we're hiring more technicians this year and uh we're afraid to actually post the positions because we need to buy more vehicles and it's really really hard to get vehicles um, we just learned of a, a new state rule where we have to buy vehicles of a certain um, uh, fuel efficiency, basically hybrid or, <coughs> or electric, and those are even wow. harder to get. So, uh, yeah, we're we're kind of over a barrel here and trying to get. We got we finally got the budget to get more technicians, but we can't get vehicles in place. <laughs> so. It's just supply chain all around, and, and our I was just talking with our our Chromebook repair company that does it, and they're they're sitting on 
1,800 broken Chromebooks right now for us because they don't have the parts to repair them. Holy cow. Okay, we'll talk after the episode of who that is. I, I'm, in a, I'm in a similar situation. I, they have, I don't know if it's the same company. I'm curious to know if it is. Um, but we, I finally had a fit. They had about 50 of our devices, and they've had them since, like, January. And we yeah. just keep sending them more. And I'm like, yeah. we're out, man. We don't we don't have any spare devices. So I finally got kind of cranky this week or last week. <clears throat> and uh, I said, hey, look, you guys have had these things, some of these, about 20 of them, since mid-January. We're going on April. That's right. a quarter. You know, a quarter of the year you've had these. Um, so they actually agreed to send me brand new devices. Wow. So they they kept the ones they had of mine. And then sent me new devices, and then they're going to Frankenstein my old devices to repair the mm-hmm. other thirty of the devices that that they had. So, um, yeah, it, it's unfortunate. I'm I'm glad to hear. I'm, I mean, it sucks that you have that many in, in repair, but I'm glad I'm, I'm not the only one having that problem. Yeah. So if, if you're listening and you're also going through that that pain, you are not alone. And there's plenty of us that are in. Uh, the same situation as you guys. So. How many? How many did you say? Sixteen hundred. Eighteen hundred. Eighteen hundred. My God! How many do you have in circulation? Uh, about sixty. Sixty thousand. Yeah. That, yeah. Well, okay. So that really that ratio is not horrible. We were we were up to ten percent almost of of the circulation that I have under warranty with this company. Yeah, at, at, off at repair in Never mm-hmm. Neverland. So ten percent is kind of high, but that's the HP G8, if you ask me. Um, so let's talk about ClassLink real quick. So your school, our schools, my school has invested heavily, heavily, heavily in dig- digital learning over the last two to three years, and other business tools. But how do you know if those tools are being utilized? How often they're being utilized, and for how long? ClassLink. Analytics allows you to keep track of these resources so you can determine which learning applications are adding value to your classrooms. Just how important is the data? Increasingly, better decisions require better data. Um, and we can speak, I can speak to this. I'm sure, Mark, you're in the same boat. COVID, you know, everything got turned upside down. We spent mm-hmm. a ton of money on digital resources, dig- digital, um, I, I'm just going to say IXL, you know, mm-hmm. Elastic, Brain yeah. Pop. Um, and thankfully, some of these tools were doing free trials or, you know, hey, discounted rates. But now that, that everybody's back in session and quote unquote COVID's over, uh, they got the hooks in, man. So they're, you know, mm-hmm. you, that price is raising or rising. And schools need to know if those resources are actually being used effectively, efficiently, and if they add value. And and ClassLink Analytics can help you figure that out or your district administration figure that out. You know, that's one of the things I don't need to make that decision, but I will help my administrators find a tool to help them make that decision. It's, it's not my call. Um, mm-hmm. about that so yeah if you're if you're looking or if your district is struggling with wrapping your hands around trying to figure out okay we're spending twelve thousand dollars with edge elastic or ixl you, you name the tool um and you want to know okay are, are kids really using this tool check out classlink analytics give give classlink a call 
uh, let them know you heard about us, heard about them on this podcast from us. Um, real quick, if you want to, we always wait to the end of the show to do this too. If you want to send us an email, email us at k12techtalk at gmail.com. We'll be glad to cover a topic or a question that you have. If you want to chastise Chris for not being here tonight, that's completely fine too. Uh, Corey, if you're listening, if you want to get back at Chris for, you know, be missing tonight, that's fine. Phil, Phil from Kansas, shoot us an email. Uh, we're also on Twitter. Hey, we're also, right, our Twitter account is K12TechTalkPod. Uh, we are also on LinkedIn. Find us on LinkedIn. Follow us. Uh, we'll all, we'll be t- t- uh, not tweeting on LinkedIn, but we'll, we'll be sharing our episodes and maybe some content on LinkedIn. We'd love to interact with, with everybody on LinkedIn as well. So share us with your professional organizations. If you've got a state chapter of COSIN, like in Missouri, we have METAL, M-E-T-L. Uh, share us with, with uh, those members. Uh, let's see. What else do we got? Uh, so I've, okay, I've got another funny story. We'll, we'll talk about this funny story and we'll circle back to budgeting in a second. Cause I'm curious how you guys go about yeah. trying to forecast budgeting stuff for, for next year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get a, a message today from an air, a neighboring school district. He and I have a really good relationship. We talk quite a bit. Uh, we'll go to lunch every once in a while. And uh, he says, oh, man, I did it today. I, I made him mad. I said, what would you do? And we're, we're constantly talking about how, you know, teachers take offense to certain things that we do and, and you know, think it's a, a personal vendetta kind of thing. And it's it never is. Well, they uh, wrote a new policy that streaming movies can only come from one source. And it's a um, it's a company in St. Louis that sells movie uh, rights that you can show movies like you get an agreement with this company and you can legally show mm-hmm. a movie at school. I'm um, not going to say their name because I don't know that might get kind of weird, but they also have a <laughs> streaming. They also have a streaming service and a streaming portal that is more or less like their version of Netflix. So all of these uh, production companies and movie companies that they have agreements with, you can stream movies through this. I'll just say it swanks portal. So, yeah. Um, their district made the decision that the only streaming service they will allow is Swank's Portal. Okay. Well, they also said that <clears throat> any movie that is shown in the classroom has to get administration approval first. Okay, we're that's getting a little out there hmm. a little. Then they add that they must also get a signed permission slip from every child's guardian parent before the movie is shown as well. So they, they, I mean, I understand. So let's kind of unpack this a little bit. I mean, the teacher, he said his teachers are all in an uproar over it. And I get it. I mean, you're totally turning that process on its head. Um, But streaming movies, Mark, what does Boston public do, do you guys, like, actively block Netflix? Do you allow YouTube? Do you allow Disney Plus? What, what do you guys do? Yeah, so we we uh, block Netflix and Hulu and those things on wireless. Uh, and that's just not not because of streaming rights or anything like that, but because we want to push teachers to hardwire, in, hardwire their laptop if they're going to stream a, a high-def movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but after that, we do provide guidance to teachers as to when you can share a movie and under what circumstances. So, um, you know, under fair rights, you can show a 
motion picture in your classroom if it's for educational purposes and it is tied to the curriculum. But if you're going to show a movie for recess or rainy day or, you know, a parent movie night, you do need to get a, a license from uh, from a, the distributor uh, right. or, or their subsidiary. So there's first is making sure that our teachers understand copyright rules and regulations. Um, and at times, if we see a school that is hosting a movie night uh, and they they publicize it on social media, we're going to reach out to them and find yeah. out, you know, hey, did you did you get the license for that? Please make sure that you got the license for that. And here's how you can do that. So, you know, we do want to make sure. Uh, but it's it's interesting, though, because I was uh, I don't know about you. I, I love the Reddit subreddit, the um, K-12 sysadmin. Oh, group. yeah. Yeah. And uh, there was a thread about this two or three days ago about streaming movies and oh and really not they're allowed yeah and there's a there was a good uh good amount of dialogue and <laughs> strong opinions <laughs> on both sides but uh i'd say one of the 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 comments that i i liked was you know let the lawyers decide this for you don't don't True. try to stick your neck out and and let them understand because you might have a the ability to show a movie but that doesn't mean that you can use various different streaming services like Netflix and Hulu that have uh, you have an agreement with them in place as to whether you can show the movies in your home or in another setting. So there's your ability to show a movie and there's your ability to use the streaming services. And sometimes they might conflict. Right. Um, so that's well, why I, I like the opinion of, of let a lawyer decide that for you. And some streaming services have actually gone to the point of Chris and I know someone in our area that. Netflix or even Disney Plus, they if they see X number of connections coming from a single public IP a school, yeah. Yeah. they're going to block it, and and they they will they have and they do pretty regularly from what it mm -hmm. sounds like. Um, so it yeah it it's definitely a sticky wicket where where I am we we try to block pretty much everything but YouTube, um, mm -hmm. and we it's kind of we've taken that stance of that account that you're using is your personal account that terms of service is an agreement between you and Netflix, not the school and Netflix right? or Disney, whatever insert your favorite streaming service. Um, so that's kind of the, the stance that we've taken right or wrong. I don't know. Um, it, it's just, again, it's one of those things of I'm glad there's someone else to make that decision. I just flick the switch or, you know, press mm -hmm. the button on what to, what to do. Um, so but that, that that story you described from the neighboring district, it sounds like you've got a few overlapping challenges. You've got yeah. the ability to show a movie legally, uh, whether or not you can or cannot, the ability to use a streaming service. And then there was parents permission about the movie itself. Right. So was there a, 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 an incident that occurred or did it just I, come out of the blue? He we didn't get that far into the discussion. I assume for to take the step of requiring a permission slip, I would have to assume that there was an issue of some sort. Um, right. Because, I mean, who? why would you just voluntarily ask your teachers to go to that trouble? Um, but, yeah, it. I don't know. And he, he made it sound like this is a trend that's coming. And to get ready for it, I I don't know. I went over and <laughs> told, laughingly told my superintendent the story and told him to call the neighboring superintendent and ask him what's really going on there. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I found it really humorous and that you know someone else is getting lambasted by teachers, not me today. So it it was good to hear it was him, not me. 
I mean, as you get to the end of the school year, you know, teachers are naturally showing. No, movies. Mark. No. They're part of their curriculum. Part of their curriculum. Oh, okay. okay. They're okay. showing movies. Okay. Okay. But, you know, that's that's a that's a hard pill to swallow if you're yeah. going to drop that policy right yeah. now. Right like, in the middle of the year. Yeah. A- Mid-April. Yeah. We get out of school in almost a month, like the end of May. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, so I don't know. I, I'd say either a lawyer uh got involved uh and gave them some advice or, yeah. or there was some hefty complaint to the board or something but yeah. that's a that's a lot of changes very quickly and in the political climate we're in now lord only knows you know I, it would not I surprise know. me there was a complaint to a board you know i know whatever um so back back to the budgeting process so we we have a new a new assistant superintendent that's over finance right now so he and I have met several times about, you know, these are my subscriptions that I have that we kind of have to have to keep the lights on as far as IT, you know, our Veeam stuff, our VMware yep. stuff, Microsoft agreements. I got to have these. You you know, give me at least enough money to renew these every year and X percentage more to, you know, buy some other fun stuff throughout the year. Um, and it, it's just funny because almost every day this week I'd go over to his office and I'm like, hey, man. I, this morning I was having my cup of coffee and I was thinking, and I thought of this other service that we only renew once every two or three years. So we've gotten into this joke of, I do nothing but go over there and ask for money, which I think a lot of IT departments kind of fall into that trap. Um, but what, what's that process look like for you guys? Do you reevaluate every so many years as far as what dollars you're allocating to subscriptions or how do you forecast for increases in subscription cost yeah uh, so we'll um and there's there's many many layers uh to this conversation but i'd say from you know from what you described you know costs are increasing costs are going up um first and foremost i'm gonna try to find the money within my budget i try to be very sparingly about going and asking uh for more money because i don't want to be that guy that's always asking for more right. money um, but towards the, um, at the beginning of the budgeting season, which for us, you know, budgeting season lasts from October till, you know, the end of the school year, um, our budget office will ask us for what we call maintenance increases. So these are things that are, are increasing outside of our control. Um, and they're going to push back if I say, oh, you know, I'm going to, the, the cost for this service is increasing. They'll come back and say, well, we'll you bought this service and you knew that the cost was going to increase or right. you knew that, you know, they'll kind of push back on that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, things like changes in E-rates or different legislation oh. that's coming down, we'll put in a request, uh, we call maintenance request and say, this is, this is outside of my control, outside the district's control. Uh, and that's usually, like I said, I, I try to be very conservative with what I ask for, but usually they're, they're pretty good about fulfilling those requests. Uh, and then we'll do a process called, uh, it's a little bit different depending on the superintendent that's 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 in charge of the time. Uh, we've had so many. Um, but for the most part, it, we've we we put in an investment request and it, and it kind of goes, we put a little rationale in and say, this is what I want to buy. This is what I, you know, this is the value it's going to bring to the, to the district. Um, and then that goes and gets, you know, reviewed by cabinet, by the superintendent. Um, and you know, that's the kind of thing where you really try to find things that are going to have an impact on the classroom. They're going to have an impact on teachers and on students. Um, and those are going to have the best chance, you know, investment requests like, 
oh, I could use this, an assistant. It's not, right. it's not really going to be approved. So in that sense, I try to, the stuff that's behind the scenes and nobody really sees or cares about, I try to find creative ways within my budget to say, let's, you know, can we save money over here and then reinvest in the stuff that nobody cares about? Um, or, you know, moving money between different funding sources uh, so that when I put investment proposals in front of the superintendent, it can be things that they understand, they grab onto, right. and they see will have a tangible uh, effect on our classroom. Well, so. and <clears throat> the interesting part of that is, you know, a, a discussion around cyber security stuff is always kind of one of those yeah. nobody, not necessarily nobody cares about, but nobody sees until it doesn't work or something has right. happened. And, right. you know, how do you go and you ask for, in, in our case, 13 grand for a 24-hour monitored sock by MSI SAC. Well, okay, what value does it add? Well, honestly, it keeps me from hiring one or two people that are security engineers that know what the hell they're doing yeah. to monitor the logs 24 hours a day. That's an easy justification. Is it? Is it seen? You know, is that is that value seen by teachers? No. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, but you could argue maybe it is because the network stays up. You know, I, I don't know. But those those kind of conversations are difficult conversations to have because it is an investment, but the return on that investment is only seen by two or three people on a regular basis. Right, right. It's like an insurance. You know, those are the kinds yeah. of things that you really don't know about it until you actually have to use it. So Right. Uh, and those are the hardest things to ask for. Like I said, I try to have, I try to put in requests that are going to hit the classrooms. Um, but at times I, you know, I do need to kind of bite the bull and say, look, no one's going to know that this exists except for me. Right. It's super critical. And and that's why I try to, you know, I try not to, to be that guy that's always asking for money Yeah. Uh, so that when I can ask, it's, it's something big. Yeah. And they, and they get a relationship with you where they know Okay, Mark only comes to us at once every two or three years with big ticket items that, and he's yep. proven that when he comes, he really needs it. It's not just a wish list or a mm-hmm. you know a new toy. It's it's you know a key infrastructure or key mission critical system. Um, now, what about end of year? What do you do, what do you do at the end of year? You've got remaining funds in your budget. Um, so we it, it seems like historically always around April first. We are told no more POs unless it is an absolute emergency. Mm -hmm. Um, And then finance just deals with if there's money left over. And in Missouri, it's kind of weird because we have to allocate everything by building. So I like when I buy something like my um, the new filter we're buying, I have to allocate that by student count in each building in certain account codes. It's not just one bucket that comes out of a budget for hmm. IT. Yeah, it it's super painful. Like I, I was explaining to somebody the other day, um, a Chromebook a Chromebook PO, you'll have a line item for the Chromebook, you'll have a line item for the management console, maybe a case, white glove service, uh, and let's say green shipping. Okay? Four or five line items. Well, if, I, if my purchase is spread out over my four buildings, I have 16 line items on that PO because I have to allocate each line item to each building based on student count. So it, it makes the PO process way, way more complicated than what it than what I'm used to it in previous jobs, you know, in higher ed wow. and, and yeah. hospital. 
Um, I could make a PO with a single line item that says, according to quote number, blah, 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 $25,000, and it would go through. No, yeah. I, that's that's not how it works in Missouri uh, wow. in education. You have to you have to break it all, every line item out by uh, student, well, we do by student allocation, but at least at a minimum by building. Mm. Um, so that's, yeah, that is painful. Yeah. It just makes more paperwork for you. Exactly. Well, thankfully it's electronic, you know, our, our PO system is electronic, so it's not a whole lot of paper, but it's just, it's time consuming and tedious and you have mm-hmm. to make sure your accounts are right. And yeah, right. it's, it's right. well, and then in the budget, in the budgeting process, if if you're forecasting X number of students and the, that allocation changes a little bit, well, then the money that you've allocated to those buildings is off a little bit. It just it can become a mess quickly. Mm. Um, well, I was, I was bringing this up because there was another not to go back to Reddit, the yeah. K twelve sysadmin, but there was a, f- a fun thread about. Uh, I think the title was just "End of Year Toys." Oh, <laughs> so it's nice. You know, you're, you're reaching the end of the year. What yeah. are you buying with your leftover funds? So it was interesting to see what people are buying. Some people are buying more district-wide things, and some people are buying just tech upgrades for themselves. But I would. So it doesn't love... sound like that happens for you guys, though. No, really not. I mean, and I'm not the person to kind of spend. Frivolous is the wrong word, but yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not going to do that. If if I buy something, I absolutely need it, and my guys, my guys know that. I'm kind of a pain when it comes to that. But I would love to have. Uh, years ago it was called a fluke link runner and it had cdp and lldp built into it into the display it was like a little two inch display on it Hmm. you'd plug that baby into a network drop you'd run cdp or lldp on it and it would tell you switch name and port number that it was plugged into yeah look it up those are cool they're not cheap not cheap at all (laughs) um but they're really really cool we we overhauled a network one time at the hospital and we um it's it's saved hours and hours and hours worth of work by being able to plug into the port. You know the the net the, the printers we can't print to the printer. Okay, it's in the wrong VLAN. Well, what port's it in? I who knows. So we'd plug in the patch cable into the link runner, run the report, and it would say, "Oh, you're in you know X-ray closet switch number three port forty two, and you're done. You don't have to tone anything because you know toning over a connected Ethernet connection is horrible. Um, so yeah." Huge, huge time saver. I would love to have one of those. So, Fluke, if you're listening, feel free to send me one. I, I would, I would gladly take one. His budget is frozen. He yeah. cannot buy anything. It's after April first. I have no budget, man. And, and I got to even. It, you don't even have to build it out by by, by building by student count. Direct, yeah, directly to him. Yeah, I don't have to divide the cost by thirty three hundred and you know allocate that by building. Um, <laughs> So, uh, Mark, have you, I've talked about this. It seems like I'm kind of on a Cosin rant since I came back from the, the conference, but have, are you CETL certified? The I'm CETL? not. In fact, after our last conversation, I looked it up and said, I need to kind of look at the next steps for getting that certification. Yeah. It is, it is a good one to have on the resume. So I think I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I, I bought a book today. Uh, it should be here Saturday. I think I'm going to try and become CETL certified and become one of the, I think in in Missouri there's less than ten or twelve CETL certified people, um, so it'll be a little feather in my cap um, if I if I pass when I pass. So I'll uh, I'll update that as it goes along. 
And that's the, it's for technology <clears throat> leadership. So it's something Correct. that if, you know, if you are in a leadership role or you want to be in a leadership role, this is a really good certification to have on your resume. So yeah, COSIN needs to pay us for talking to them up and, uh, no, I, I really enjoyed my time at COSIN and, and actually looking forward to maybe going into Austin in, next year. Um, trying to think what else is going on. ISAC has said they are going to have their conference. They're opening up registration in early May. That's the arm of Homeland Security that does the information security uh, stuff. So uh, if you are in a K-12, you qualify to go as a state and local government entity. So look for that announcement from ISAC coming out. I believe they said it was going to come out the first week of May. They are doing a call for presenters, and I'm actually toying with the idea of uh, applying to present. We'll see. Hmm. Uh, we are a, a member of MS Isaac, and we get their their notifications. Seems like every few days now. Yeah. Uh, with either a you know a simple vulnerability or something more critical. But yep. I'd say the last two, three months, the stuff in Russia, Ukraine has really been kind of freaking me out when we get those alerts and they talk more globally about what's happening. uh, Well, and you guys would be a bigger target than we would, but it's uh, Jen Jen Easterly, the director of CISA, was on 60 Minutes this last week. So if if you're not a an old person like me and you don't watch 60 minutes, uh, go, go to 60 minutes website and look up their episode from the, I guess it was the 17th or 18th. Um, they had Jen Easterly on. It was, I think the first segment of the show. Mm. Uh, and she's talking about the, the threat to infrastructure, critical infrastructure from, from Russia. And did you see, I guess yesterday, uh, CISA and the Five Eyes company or Five Eyes countries, New Zealand, Australia, uh, Canada, us, somebody else. Um, they issued a joint uh, threat alert, uh, cyber threat alert to critical infrastructure. So now it's just not CISA saying it or CISA saying it. It's uh, it's Five Eyes, which is was pretty interesting. So wow. Um, it's so yeah, scary. Yeah, really getting they're, scary out there. So. They're beating that drum even harder. Well, you mentioned that that we're uh, probably more likely to be a target. I'd say that, you know, for for us, we've talked a little bit about my district. We're a larger district and we have a much more um, robust infrastructure. I'm more concerned about the smaller districts that don't have that infrastructure that that are a very, very easy target. Well, and and I I don't know how, how it is out there in outstate Massachusetts or, you know, outstate Vermont. Um, but in outstate Missouri, there's we have 547, I think, school districts in Missouri, um, and the vast majority of them are small. Like mm-hmm. the larger ones, uh, 13,000 students, 50,000 students, the vast, vast majority of that 500 plus are smaller than my district. You know, right. and we have 3,200, right. 3,300 kids. Uh, Chris is about half the size. Um, yeah, and and they how do they afford to have qualified security people because i don't have a qualified security person on staff i'm wearing that hat maybe i'm qualified i don't know but it's we don't have a dedicated role for that or a dedicated person for that i don't know how a school district with 75 kids which you know there's a couple in northern missouri how in the world do they afford an it person at all let alone a qualified uh security person Um, so I, I don't know you're, and you're right. It's, it's those schools that will be the first targets and easy low hanging fruit targets. But, uh, 
yeah. would think big guys like you in San Francisco, New York City public, um, they've they've got to have big target on their backs. So, yeah, I mean, we definitely we definitely have a high volume of of issues that come through. I mean, I'd say we're getting a phishing attempt two three times a week uh, at the very least. Um, but at the same time, some of the bigger stuff that comes through the DDoS attacks, we have the infrastructure to, to, to yeah. mitigate it. So, um, but those, you know, those phishing attempts there in my department, we have multiple eyes that can see that we've got multiple people, uh, and, and multiple, uh, alarm checkpoints that can, can see a threat and, and hopefully mitigate it before it actually does anything. I, I'm, I worry about a district like you where it's you. And right. if you're not looking in the right place at the right time, right. Uh, you know, you miss the threat. So yeah, it's kind of the, the stacking of Swiss cheese that every layer has holes in it. As long as you stack the layers the right on way. top, the right way, they cover each other's holes <clears> up and, <throat> and these smaller districts out there, which that is the vast majority of our, of our, our districts in this country sure. are in these small districts. They are the bigger threat. So, well, what that, that old saying of, you know, the bad guys only have to get it right once. We have to get it right every time. Yeah, and, I mean, that's absolute. That's absolute. Yeah, yeah we. Ha- I I was out in your your neck of the woods, uh, working with another school district, and they had had a, a breach, and then they they asked us to come back a couple of years later and make sure that they had kind of shored up their walls and everything was good. And the superintendent at the end of the week asked us, "Are we safe? Are we? Are we? We're we're good. Uh, our investments have have made a difference." And you know, our comment was. Hey, there's no there's no end game right you always need to continue to invest and and to be honest with you you're always a threat the question is are you the easiest threat out right and uh and and luckily they've made enough investments to hopefully not be the easiest threat on the market but still it's tough yeah and that that can be a total discussion for another show but getting buy-in and that understanding of okay we are a threat we do these yeah. things for a reason. It's not just because the IT guy wants to make everybody jump through another hoop. Right. Um, yeah. So we you're not just busy on that. blocking Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> no. Or I'm not. Yeah. I had a teacher one time. I walked into a room and they were having a meeting, and uh, she more or less in- insinuated that I watched the firewall logs and blocked the most popular websites. I'm like, no. Yeah. I have way better things to do than to sit and watch firewall logs and block popular <laughs> websites. Yeah. So on that note, we will end this episode, episode 69, the big episode without Chris. Um, it, give us some feedback. Shoot us an email. Tweet us. Let us know what you think. Find us on LinkedIn. Chris is super excited now that he's got a business LinkedIn page to manage. Uh, so give 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 our LinkedIn page some uh, some hits and comments. Uh, let us know what you like, what you don't like, what topics you want to hear about. All right, that was an episode. Mark, thanks for holding down the fort and filling in, uh, filling uh, the airtime yeah. that Chris normally consumes. And uh, we will see everybody next week. Thanks for listening. All right.